Hallo, herzlich willkommen. Welcome to the show. You are listening to Dispatches from Berlin. My name is Caroline. I am a tour guide, I am German and I live in Berlin. I wanted to give you a close-up, even if it is only by audio, a close-up of life at the heart of Europe at a time when travel in and out and in between becomes more and more restricted. In a growing number of European states, including mine, Germany, public life is shut down in an unprecedented way. Unprecedented as much as the coronavirus which has caused these outstanding measures. As this is all new to us, a little bit scary, and yet a shared fate and experience, I reached out to some friends and colleagues, fellow tour guides and a bus driver, to hear about their situation. And I was so happy to get their messages and hear a little bit about their experience. Hello, buongiorno. This is Anna reporting from Italy. Hi there, this is Francisco from Spain. This is uh, Paul here from uh, Oslo, Norway. Bonjour, Veronique from Paris. Dobro from Slovenia. I'm Tina. Hello, friends. This is Liz from the UK. Hello, this is um, Apostolos from the Greek uh, countryside. This is John from the Netherlands. Hi, this is David from Orvieto, Italy. Oh, it's so great to hear their voices. But before we check back in with all of them, let us indeed jump to Italy for the beginning. Who doesn't love La Bella Italia, right? It is one of the most beloved and busy travel destinations in Europe. But this time we all found ourselves looking at Italy not because of its cultural riches and La Dolce Vita, but because it suffered first and severely from the spread of the virus. And so David hopes that... And I hope more and more countries will take advantage of the Italian situation since it's been the first country being hit. But let's be honest here. Didn't some of those stereotypes of ours step by and say hello? Such an amazing country, but a little bit disorganized, maybe? I'm sure some of us couldn't help but have that pass our minds. But as another friend of mine, Luca, a Slovenian who lives in Budapest, historian and journalist who, as many of us closely followed the events unfolding, says... Of course, Italians, it, it took them a while to understand what was happening, because of course they were the first ones. But just suddenly, you know, the, the society organized. They, they, they started really, really quickly to, to mobilize all the resources to fight this thing. And I have a reawakened admiration for the Italians. The Italians, therefore, were also the first to learn the lesson which we are catching up with. Namely to, as Anna says, flatten the curve, as they say. Most states are now basing their measures on that goal. Flatten the curve, slow the pandemic. We are asked to follow the rules of what is called social distancing. We therefore find ourselves in different degrees of isolation. Social distancing, in my eyes, is a very sad request and term. I completely understand the need for it right now, but nonetheless, as human beings, we need and thrive on exchange and contact, as do our societies. So will this distancing from each other be the norm for a while? For how long? The pondering and broody German I am had made it to the forefront. But hence I found a lot of comfort in hearing the voices and stories from my friends and colleagues across Europe, which all sounded somewhat familiar and very relatable. So, come on, let's see how they are doing. Francisco, from Spain, was the first to respond. He sent me photos of his city Pamplona being completely deserted. And expecting more limitations to movement in the future, he and his family had made a decision. Here at home, what we're going to do, we're going to isolate ourselves in our house in the Pyrenees. 
they will be able to at least go and walk on the forest so we're not stuck on the city. My biggest fear is surviving 15 days with three teenage kids in one house. God help us. <laughs> oh my. But I think Tina can relate. We are in self-isolation here in Slovenia too. I'm just about to wake up my two boys who are age 10 and 12 and their school day will begin with me being their teacher for the upcoming weeks. I'm worried how that will go, especially when we come to mathematics. Oh boy, that makes me think, which subject could I handle? Which could you teach? As you see, colleagues with kids are facing a whole different set of dilemmas. I'm really glad for both, though, that they didn't have to suffer acute cabin fever in the city, because both of them find themselves in the countryside. And at the moment, we couldn't be thankful enough that we live in the village where the beautiful nature is luckily not off limits for us and we can still go for a short walk. A feeling shared by Apostolos, whom you usually find in Athens, yet now in the Greek countryside. It's a great feeling being in the countryside, away from uh, people and uh, being close to nature. Originally, Apostolos had withdrawn to the countryside only to get some peace and quiet in order to prepare for the busy tour season. And now, as the tours were cancelled, he stayed. His friends and family remain in Athens, though, while maybe a bit lonely over time. A lot of friends, they're calling me and they say they would love to be in the countryside and come and visit. He's now by himself, for better or worse. Seeing photos of his walks, I feel not that much pity, but more friendly jealousy. Most of us guides are living in the city, small or big. Veronique lives in one of the most densely populated and expensive cities of Europe, Paris. How is that when quarantine is upon you? I live in a very small apartment, which is a 20 square meter studio or 215 square feet place. Um, it's hard to store a lot of food here, so I will have to go out and figure out a way of getting that. Pooh, that is a small space to be confined to. Even my studio apartment in Berlin in which I used to live in my student days, was twice as big. But it faced north and I missed direct sunlight. I'm really glad that Veronique is better off in that regard. Uh, I have two windows and they overlook the Parisian rooftops. Lots of light. See, that sounds immediately much better. Let's quickly check in with Paul and see how things are in another capital up north, Oslo, Norway. Currently sitting in uh, quarantine in my apartment. Um, luckily, not alone. My girlfriend is in a quarantine uh, as well. But um, we are we are optimistic and uh, we should be fine. We have plenty of uh, boxed wine. We have uh, huge amounts of. Uh, porridge and um, I have the freezer full of lutefisk so uh, we should do uh, just um, fine here. Okay that sounds promising Paul we are happy but you got me there I don't know what lutefisk is but of course I checked and Paul and his girlfriend are fully stocked on Norwegian Christmas food. That sounds adorable but turns out at the same time it is very old very dead fish that famously stinks. Hence Paul stores all that lutefisk in his freezer, I guess. Okay, moving on. Looking at Europe these days is a bit like jumping across time, as we are all at slightly different stages of the crisis. 
Turns out, while we usually go to Italy to marvel at the glories of centuries past, now we are all fixing our attention to it as it seems to tell us something about our future. Anna is reporting from a flat in Siena. I have been here for one week under the government-mandated lockdown. I did just leave about five minutes ago to take out the trash, but that is allowed. And tomorrow I will head out with my note, my autodichiarazione, stating where I live and that I'm heading out just to get some groceries and I will return immediately back home. Some of us, or all of us, might be in for similarly heavy restrictions on our movement. So we all either are already or soon will be facing the same question as David. What to do with our time? Personally, it's a moment where we're quarantined in a house. My wife Daria and I are in the house, in our yard. I've been moving furniture, cleaning up. There's a lot to do, honestly. Aha, moving furniture. Well, that's one option. I mean, I'm sure we all end up sometimes doing things we otherwise wouldn't have done. Like actually doing this sitting in front of a microphone in my room, not feeling too strange about it. And we are likely to find out who of us is any good at il dolce far niente, sweet idleness. I have a feeling though that many of us, just like Veronique, will find ourselves on the phone with my friends and family and also do some business planning, so I'll keep busy. And honestly, All of us, when feeling a bit low or failing at il dolce far niente, yet again, we will find ourselves resorting to some guilty pleasures, as Anna willingly admits as she finds herself aching to see the newest season of RuPaul's Drag Race, but uh, I shall have to be patient for that. Francesco and his family have experienced a little generational gap when it comes to guilty pleasures. Yesterday night, the kids decided to share things that they watch on television with us and we watched the Kardashians. Mixed reactions by the parents were the result to say the least. Payback came the next night. Today we're gonna pay revenge and we're gonna make them watch the, the Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. <laughs> It's gonna be funny. Also John, a bus driver from the Netherlands whom we share life on the road with during the season, keeps his humor and remains focused. So far I'm doing okay. Lots of time to do workout. I'm losing weight. My summer body is almost ready for the beaches. So everyone tries to stay upbeat. Even though, of course, that is not always possible. There are financial worries. The worry about what this all brings about in our societies and economies. I find myself glued to the news, updates and everything regarding Corona. And that can be a bit much sometimes. But even that can have an upside, at least in the UK. At least regarding our press and our television coverage, it has made a nice change from talking about Brexit. Sometimes I feel as if I was beamed into a world where the rules of what used to be normal don't apply anymore. One nice aspect of which is, for example, that I have had the first Skype date with my sister in Frankfurt and my 80-year-old parents back home ever. I did not see that one coming. And we all laughed and giggled about it while being genuinely happy to see each other being fine. And it might not be that tangible all the time, but these new realities, while often odd, are similar across borders and therefore shared experiences. 
how strange that a threatening virus is also a great equalizer of sorts. I called the program Dispatches from Berlin. Derived from French se dépêcher, something being urgent, Dispatches is a bit of an outdated term for messages during times of crisis or war that needed expedited delivery. As Corona hit and I was looking for ways of how to reach out, it seemed like the right term to use. But what was a bit spur of the moment is here to stay, I decided, even if hopefully the moving force behind it won't be crisis mode all the time. Moving forward, I will use this feed as the space where, on occasion, I will address things that are time sensitive that require a new dispatch. So if you'd like to hear from me again, hit subscribe. Also, stay tuned for the serial podcast in the works right now called The Spaces We Share. For now, I hope you've enjoyed this small trip across Europe at the early stages of the corona pandemic. I want to thank my colleagues for being willing to help me in bringing you a little bit closer to the experience in their homes and home countries. Together with them, I wish you all the best. Be well. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao. Tschüss. Ciao. Bye-bye. A bientôt. All the best. Bye-bye from Spain. And here in Berlin, I finish up with thank you for listening. See you soon. Bis bald. Tschüss.